the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney. And I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So as I've shared with you in the past, in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm a master of the laws of taxation law and also a master of the laws of intellectual property law. Now, both of my great master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law that's located in the beautiful city of San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth transfer and the roles, these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. I also do debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And as I've shared with you before, I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I am sometimes also able to at least attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets, at least and sometimes, unfortunately, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse you can imagine, especially perpetrated today when people are hard up for money and they want to take advantage of our seniors because they think we are not as competent and as guarded as we should be about our finances. And if some entity emails us saying that they're with the IRS or the Franchise Tax Board and they are going to um, you know, take our children unless we pay these taxes and they need our personal financial information in order to stop the prosecution and stop the sheriffs who all are on our front porch and going to come and take our children away. You know, sometimes I think, well, maybe you can come take my child because my child is a pain in the butt. No, just kidding. Um, You need to not fall victim to these folks, uh, guys. You really need to tell them to hold on the phone while you do a little bit of research on your own. Uh, I go on the website and uh, see if they're really there, see if that's really an entity 
ask them on the phone to give you their number. You'll call them back. And also you want the number of their supervisor and they will hang up so fast that you wouldn't believe it. And anyway, the Franchise Tax Board and the Internal Revenue Service, they're going to contact you in a letter. They're not going to reach out to you over the phone unless you've started a relationship with them. Uh, I do tax work, so I have a number that I call and a fax that I use uh, to deal with my clients. But they're not going to call you on the phone. Uh, they're not going to send you an email. They're going to send you a letter and uh, that's how you respond. So seniors, please don't be frightened into giving them your personal financial information because, for example, they're going to use that information and they're going to file a tax return in your name. And if you have anything coming to you, it's going to go to their coffers. So please Please don't respond to telephone calls, unsolicited telephone calls and unsolicited emails by giving your personal information. That is not a good thing for you to do. OK, so I'm coming to you again today as I continue my voluntary lockdown from my makeshift studios in my home and another great world-class California city, that is to say the always beautiful Oakland, California, to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully provide you at least a general outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help that you need to help you resolve your legal issues, especially one dealing with your finances and your assets. Okay, and I do this because as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one concerning your financial assets, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And you know what happens to the one who has a butter knife at a gunfight. He or she or his or her um, valid claims and righteous defenses are going to end up seeing the promised land way before her soul and spirit and body decays and moves on from this earth. So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law. In case you haven't guessed it, it's to discuss the law related to your money. And more probably than not in these trying times, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your businesses, health, wealth and money related well-being. As I understand these concepts in this non-threatening forum. Now, you know, the last several times we've been together, we've been discussing bankruptcy as one of the three tactics that I think small business owners who are in distress need to consider. And we've been discussing it, uh, the fact that small business owners can utilize bankruptcy because it is part of our Constitution. That is to say, 
You can find the bankruptcy clause at Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, and it grants to the United States Congress the mandate to issue uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies as currently manifest by the United States Bankruptcy Code, the Federal Rules of Bankruptcy Procedure, along with the appropriate federal and state codes or statutes and the applicable federal and state case law, okay? Now, the bankruptcy procedure can be used, as I've shared with you before, by individuals and families and companies of all sizes and governmental units that are insolvent, that is to say, they, the debtor, owe more money to their creditors than the fair market value of all of their tangible and intangible assets, or they are unable to repay their debts as they come due. In other words, these are financially distressed individuals, families, uh, businesses of all sizes, and governmental units. And they can utilize the bankruptcy process to try to help salvage what they can of their businesses or get rid of, you know, the assets and start afresh through this court supervised process that, if done properly by an honest uh, debtor, can um, forever uh, preclude one of their creditors in some instances for coming after the debt that they really righteously owe. However, not all businesses that are impacted by COVID-19, by this terrible pandemic, are debtors in bankruptcy. Some are creditors. And some of you have asked me what the bankruptcy court can do for me and my business as a creditor. After all, and especially if I'm a small business landlord, say, or I'm a small business supplier of goods and services to a distressed business, how am I supposed to survive if my tenants or, you know, my, my customers are not paying my rent or they're not, you know, reimbursing me for my expenses if I design their computer network or if I provided them with the fish that they're selling in their uh, grocery store? you know, when they file for bankruptcy. And, you know, I'm going to end up in bankruptcy if I, if I don't get paid. So how am I supposed to protect my rights in what appears to me on the surface to be a system that has a bent towards rehabilitation of distressed debtors? In fact, that's what you said, Selwyn. How is it going to protect me? You know, you what are you going to do, bleed me until... I have to come to you uh, as to, you know, uh, file my bankruptcy petition. You know, that doesn't seem right. What's up with that, Selwyn? Well, you know, believe it or not, I sometimes represent creditors in bankruptcy, especially small business creditors, because I, like, like most lawyers, can argue both sides of a situation. So, Today, I wanted to start discussing or focusing on another key player in the bankruptcy case who is also protected by the United States Constitution. 
And that is to say, the debtor's creditor and or creditors. They, they have to be uh, uh, looked out for uh, in this process, lest we end up in a, an economy where everybody is in bankruptcy. So creditors of various classes are the entities who the debtor in bankruptcy owes money or some form of equity or something else of value, and who as a result of the debtor defaulting on her righteous obligations, her promise to repay her creditors, the creditor simply wants to get repaid. So what's a creditor to do? Well, there is a public policy-based hierarchy hierarchical pecking order in the bankruptcy code that dictates the priority in which a creditor or creditor class gets repaid. And that pecking order is the congressional proxy of how creditors get paid, if at all, in a particular bankruptcy. So, um, and also, what if your tenant or your customer um, snookered you into giving them access to your uh, real property to run their business, or you lent them money under uh, under the uh, false pretext. The bankruptcy process also gives you a right to go into bankruptcy court and see if the court might say that the debtor's behavior was so outrageous, perhaps that debt should not be discharged at all. So when we come back, we're going to look at creditors' rights in bankruptcy. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on today's topic. How the bankruptcy court protects creditors. Now, as I said on the other side, before we took our break, there is a public policy-based hierarchical pecking order in the bankruptcy code that's implemented by the bankruptcy court that dictates the priority in which a creditor or a creditor's class gets repaid. And this pecking order is Congress's proxy of how much a creditor gets repaid, if at all, in a particular bankruptcy. Now, in the first position, are the debtors secured creditors, such as entities holding notes, valid notes, and valid deeds of trust, or some form of a lien, or a a uniform commercial code filing, or a statutory lien, or a levy, such as from a governmental entity like the Internal Revenue Service, uh, such as a mortgage and also deed of trust or the pink slip on your the debtor's car or the unpaid portion of some executory contract that's backed up by some kind of security interest. 
such as the case when a, uh, a debtor defaults on a commercial lease. Now, your uh, lawyer who helped you draft your commercial lease might have discussed with you the fact that you might have wanted to make uh, that lease uh, be tied to some kind of security interest, which would make um, the defaulted commercial lease a secured debt if the debtor files for bankruptcy. So that's the first class, secured creditors. And unless there is something special about these secured debts that will allow the debtor to modify the uh, security interest, the value of the debt, or strip off or avoid some or all of the value of the applicable lien or security interest, these debts must be repaid in full even after the bankruptcy case is resolved because these liens or security interests pass through, that is to say, they survive the bankruptcy. For example, um, a debtor with a mortgage on a house that he or she does not want to surrender in the bankruptcy, uh, even if the debtor files for bankruptcy, the debtor is responsible for paying that lien less, even while in bankruptcy, making the, the payments, or that creditor can come into the court and ask the bankruptcy court to lift the stay so that the mortgage holder can um, foreclose on uh, the debtor's uh, property, real property, okay? So, however, if these secured debts are delinquent at the time of filing the bankruptcy and the debtor wants to keep the property, the debtor may be able to use the bankruptcy process to catch up on her missed payment while under the protection of the bankruptcy court and thereby cure the default while she's in bankruptcy. So if the debtor keeps her payments current and puts in her plan of reorganization how she's going to catch up on the arrearages while she's in bankruptcy, then the creditor is going to continue to get his or her mortgage payment and the catch up of the arrearages, but the lien is still there. And so the creditor still owns, uh, still has a stake in the real property. And like I said, that lien will ride through the bankruptcy. So that's why uh, secured creditors rise to the top of who gets paid in the bankruptcy process. Now, another class of creditors are known as general unsecured creditors. And these would be people such as a family, friend, or relative, or credit card company for whom the debtor has borrowed money and the repayment obligation is manifest either by an oral or written contract contract that was undertaken without the creation or filing of a lien or other security interest. 
Now, depending on the type of bankruptcy case the debtor files, coupled with the debtor's overall financial situation and prospects at the time of filing, including her ability to fund her reasonable living expenses out of her post-filing monthly income, some or all of her unsecured debt may end up being discharged at the conclusion of the debtor's case. This is a reorganization case now. The public policy rationale for putting these creditors at the hind end uh, of the debt repayment food chain is that these creditors are presumed to have had the wherewithal to make a rational lending decision, that is to say underwriting this particular debt, and they chose to lend their money to the debtor on an unsecured basis with the full knowledge of the risk of not getting repaid. Now, please note that the creditor that uh, commences the debtor-creditor relationship as an unsecured creditor may become a secured creditor when the debtor, after falling into default, is sued by uh, the creditor prior to filing her bankruptcy. And that creditor gets a judgment against the debtor in state court and then through proper recording of the liens against the debtor and her personal and real property in which the debtor resides might convert a unsecured debt into one higher up the food chain. And that's why everybody involved with the borrowing or lending of money really should consult with a knowledgeable attorney to make sure they understand documents that are being signed uh, and um, understand what goes on in a lawsuit, uh, lest anybody uh, have their heart broken and find that what was a XYZ credit card um, that one thought they could discharge in bankruptcy and uh, now is a judgment uh, against that credit that, that may have to be dealt with in the bankruptcy. Okay, and so... Um, I'm, I'm speaking again to both sides here. Uh, you need to listen to what I'm saying, because if you are a, a, a debtor, there are things that you need to do or know about. And if you're a creditor, there are things that you need to do or, and know about. So as such, it behooves debtors to stay on top of any and all pending or potential lawsuits one or more of their creditors may have or potentially file against them, and um, creditors need to understand the implications thereof. Now, you know, big banks and big credit card companies, they have lawyers on staff or lawyers on retainer. But if you're a mom and pop, small, um, say you, you have a, a small business uh, in, in your building and you also have tenants and, you know, you don't deal with lawyers every day, uh, you, you need to understand uh, about how and why, um, you know, you need to really vet your uh, your customers in some instances and your tenants to make sure that you know what you're doing to try to protect your rights. Now, again, there are secured creditors and absent some legal um, rationale, they either get paid in full or get the return of their collateral, and it might be the debtor's house or car, or unsecured creditors who may take nothing depending on the debtor's available exemptions 
for the availability of funds left over after the reorganizing debtor accounts for the reasonable expenses of the debtor and or her family members. There's also a special class of unsecured creditors that for public policy reasons take priority over what I described as plain old vanilla general unsecured creditors. And these priority creditors include persons to whom the debtor owes a domestic support obligation, alimony child support, unseasoned or new tax obligations owed to the federal or state or local taxing authorities. And what's unique about taxing authority debt obligation is the fact that these entities sometimes are simultaneously secured creditors, priority creditors, and general unsecured creditors for the same group of tax obligations, such as when, for example, the IRS obtains a statutory lien for a portion of the taxes owed, while the newer taxes must be paid as a priority, and some of the same tax obligations not levied before the debtors filed for bankruptcy are general unsecured, and they may be discharged depending on the facts and circumstances of the case. So, I'm going to leave it there for now, but when we get together next time, let's continue talking about creditors' rights. In the meantime, please, please mask up, keep your social distance, and wash your hands because I want you to be here next time when we continue our discussion. In the meantime, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to SelwynWhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.